Are you ready for tonight? I really believe that there's going to be a transformation moment in just a minute. God spoke to Karen a few days ago. And we really believe, I don't know about you, some, you know, somebody said, I saw it tweeted, oh, 2013 and number 13, that's that devil's number. People are stupid. Because I looked it up and figured out from Ishmael to Isaac, there was 13 years. So 13 actually represents the restoring of broken promises. That this is your year to get back what God already said was yours, but maybe you settle for flesh back there. But he says, I'm not done. If I prophesied over it, I'll finish it. Because it says he is faithful to complete what he starts. So this is the year where God begins to restore what was robbed somewhere along the way when you had a word spoken over you or a promise given to you and it was taken from you. So I don't know about you, but if you take the number 13, and I'm going to talk a little bit of numerology tonight because I actually love to study it because God is all about numbers. Are you with me? But I really believe that as I move into this over the next few minutes, you are going to begin to get a hunger for and a passion for fasting. On the way here, I, I, I said to Abby in the back, she was in the back seat, I said, Abby, what are you going to fast? And uh, she said, I'm too little to do that. And, uh, and then I would throw things out. Let's, why don't you fast electronics? She'd go, Dad, seriously, come on. You do want me to listen to worship, right? And I mean, she just, uh, so I don't know what we're going to fast in our house. Uh, that Our daughter's going to fast. But, but I am going to talk about the power of fasting tonight. It's going to be transformational. As I sat down yesterday and began to write this teaching out, I had our team put together a key for you, uh, a fill-in-the-blank, because I don't know about you, but paper doesn't forget. And then in my research, even as, as late as this afternoon, I, I began to pull up because a lot of people don't even know how to do a Daniel fast. What does that mean? What is a Daniel 10 fast? So we put that whole to get all together. If you did not get a handout when you came in the door, raise your hand. And our team, our forerunners, many of them are back in town. In fact, they're walking around. Would you make the forerunners welcome? These guys are called to change the world. And so they're, they're walking through here. They're in our school of ministry. Guys, keep your hands raised until they get a chance. They're going to give you something that we created uh, today and yesterday, literally, because I want you to be able to have those notes. And again, do not forget to intercede, especially at noon on Friday, because at noon on Friday is when Pastor Al and Scott, Pastor Scott will be sharing and John Bevere will be sharing at the funeral. And it's a, it's a pretty heavy time, and uh, I've been texting back and forth with Pastor Al, and so let's get into this tonight. In a moment, literally, our team put a video together today that I want you to watch. But as I began to pray, boy, it got on me that I got to come back here and teach again. Had no plans to do that. And the Lord said, you're going to impart a prophetic word over this house tonight. I will tell you in a moment that on Sunday evening at 930, one of the greatest prophets in this nation text me and said, I have a word for you. It's Sunday night. I'm watching football. We didn't get in from eating lunch because the preacher was long-witted Sunday morning. And Jim and Nick's took longer. And we didn't even get into our house till 6 o'clock in Birmingham. And I took a little nap, which is anointed. And I'm sitting and just chilling with my family. But Sunday night at about 9.30, Maybe it came in even earlier than that, but when I finally saw it, a prophet that I trust texted me and said, I must prophesy. I must give you a word. I sat there and I thought, oh, I'm too tired for prophecy. Now, y'all are not holy. Listen, it, I was tired. I was afraid. Our dogs were attacking each other. We have Yorkies from the devil, and they really were. I said to Karen, I said, I'll get the prophecy as soon as the dogs shut up. And so all of a sudden, at about 10 o'clock, I called him back. I texted him. I said, is it too late to talk? He calls us and for 45 minutes begins to prophesy about where America is going. And I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. But I want to warn you, as you open your Bibles to Daniel, the 10th chapter. Come on. See, I beg you, don't do this fast. I'm telling you. So many people think that fasting brings signs and wonders. Now, it will after you die. 
But I have found out in my first few days of fasting, I usually want to kill someone. Not because I love food that much, although I will die for chocolate. <laughs> but because it's when you begin to define yourself and begin to reduce your flesh that you're, and, and starve your flesh that your flesh gets angry. And what's ever in your life and has been hidden by your false personality will rise to the surface when you no longer have that facade up because you're fasting. So I will warn you, I'll never forget years ago, I was a youth pastor, and I mean, it's been probably 20 years ago, and I called my dad and I said, Dad, I've called a 21-day fast for our youth ministry, and he said, you better get ready for all hell to break loose. And I went, why would you tell me that? You're supposed to say, come on, speak in tongues, do something. But he immediately said, son, whatever sin is in your ministry will now come out. I'm telling you, over the next 21 days, it all fell apart. Secret sin, leadership, crazy stuff started coming out. I called him one day and I said, this fasting thing is horrible. And I'll never forget, because I had called a prayer meeting at 5.30 in the morning. And I'm in the prayer room in our sanctuary as a youth pastor in Decatur, Alabama. Our youth ministry, all kinds of crazy stuff had happened. At that point, we had not seen the explosive growth into the hundreds that we would see right after the fast. But I'm by myself. No one showed up to pray, and I said, I quit. I had sores all in my mouth because I had been drinking juice but not eating correctly. And I'm saying, Lord, I quit. And he said, well, before you go home, before you go back to your house, ask me this. And that's when he revolutionized my life in the middle of a fast when I prayed the prayer, Father, let me feel what a nation is feeling, a generation is feeling right now. And at that, let me, he said, pray, let me feel what the lost are feeling. And three hours later, I woke up on the floor wailing before the Lord, and it was a transformation moment. Are you ready to get into this? So if you don't want to change, don't do this. If you like dealing with the same issues and feeding the same demons, do not do this. If you like living in despair and worrying about the next time you go to the mailbox, do not do this. If you enjoy worrying, don't do this. Because what this is going to do, it's going to bring a total reliance on him. Because fasting, the, you do not fast to get something from God. He's not a prostitute. You fast to know him. And in knowing him, he loves you enough to say, get rid of this, this, and this, and watch what I can do for you. Because he meets you at your level of obedience. Are you with me so far? He's not a push button that you can push. He is a father. So I want to warn you up front as I teach on fasting tonight about the awakening fast, I want to warn you that there's going to come conviction. And the word conviction in the Hebrew means proof of guilt. So God's going to begin to show you, you've got this, you've got that, you've got this thing. This guy. It's very different from Sunday morning. I'm not going to tell you a ton of stories. I'm going to teach you tonight. I'm going to step into the, to the head of a school of ministry mode tonight. And so what you've got to realize is I, I, there's a moment in the middle of this sermon, or in the middle of this teaching rather, where you're going to have to say, Lord, change my heart not to what I value but what you value. Are you with me? Folks, I have learned the anointing is worth everything you have to give up in order to keep it. And he keeps telling me, oh, oh, I feel him. In the last week, he's been telling, we've been having encounters in our house, just weird encounters. Karen's vacuuming the floor and suddenly gets something from God. I'm helping her take down Christmas stuff. The Lord starts speaking. And that's what's begun to happen. I'm talking about a habitation where he comes and sits in your house. I want him to feel so good he can put his feet up at my house. I want to feel him in the middle of the night. I want dreams. I want a sleep disorder called revelation. I want signs and wonders, but I want to die first. I've never known anyone to, to see God and live. So there's going to be an encounter in the next few minutes because it's time for miracles. And you've got to understand, I hear the alarm clock going off. And when we call it an awakening fast, you've got to realize there's a moment when you have to wake up. You need to understand that there's going to be a transition process. And I'm going to teach you in a moment about breakthrough periods because there are actual breakthrough periods in a fast. Karen, would you just quickly come and share what God spoke to you uh, about concerning the things that are to come? Well, 
you know, I was just praying, and I was praying about the new year and everything. We always get so excited. I get excited about a new year for what God has in store. But God showed me, he said, we're always so quick to say, I'm leaving behind all the pain, all the regret, all the bad experiences, all the bad things of the previous year. But we enter into the, the wrong way. When God says, so many of us are still holding on to, and we get stuck in the victories of our past. They, we're holding on to victories from 10 years ago as if there's nothing better for us in our future. That we're holding on to, to victories and we're just happy that we survived another year. And God says, I have never called you to just be a survivor. I have called you to be a conqueror. That I have called you to take back ground. That I have called you to take back land that I have called you to be a conqueror in 2013, that he has adventures for you, that he has new victories, a new day, a new season for you and your family and everyone you come in contact with. Amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. Write this down. We must wake up. God began to speak to me the day after the election at 4.30 in the morning. I'm heading to the airport, and I'm asking God about the election. Now, follow me, because God is not a Democrat, and he is not a Republican. In fact, I'm really sick of it all. I said it on Sunday that in one of the services said that, that, that uh, God uh, is not a Democrat, he's not a Republican. He rides on those things because it's a donkey and an elephant. But is God about babies? Yes. Is God about marriage? Yes. I'll tell you what God's about. It's right here. But what you have to understand is we're living in a very critical moment in our nation. And watch, because I'm going there. I'm reminded of what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Besides this, you know what? A critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep. Rouse to reality. I love that in the Amplified Bible. Rouse to the reality. I think so many times uh, I, we, we, we just are coasting along and do not want to deal with reality. But reality is things are not good. Reality is... Things are tough in our nation. Are you a word of faith guy? I am an absolute word of faith guy. I am a, uh, Al Bryce changed my life years ago when we lived in North Carolina and he poured into my life faith and kind of broke some things off my life. But what you got to understand, there's a reality. And reality is that we need to wake up. And reality is that our nation is in trouble. Go back to the verse for me, please. In fact, what you got to realize is for salvation, it goes on to say, final deliverance is near to us now than we first believed. Adhere to, trusted, and relied on Christ the Messiah. It says what you've got to realize is there's a moment. I'm reminded of, I do a whole message on waking up. And this happened this last summer because while I'm preaching this message about waking up, it's called asleep in the light, I, I, I use alarm clocks. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Tell people this. Tonight when they go home, their alarm clocks are going to go off. So I'm in the middle of preaching in San Francisco, and I said, I just need you all to know, some of you, God is trying to get your attention. That night at 3 o'clock in the morning, my dear friend who I write about in my book, named Forrest Spicer, is sound asleep at 3 a.m. exactly. An alarm clock in his house starts going off. He cannot find it. He finally goes into his daughter's bedroom, who was gone out of town, in a closet, in a box, is an unplugged, no battery in it, alarm clock going off. And it was an exact number that he got because it was something that the Lord wanted him to look up in the Word. But folks, I hear that sound of the awakening. I love what it says in Psalms right here. Look what it says right here. It says, awake my soul, awake the harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. We're calling this the awakening fast. Not the grumbling fast. Not the take a nap fast. There's an awakening. Look what it says. Here's the fasting scripture in the Bible that if you'll read this chapter, you should read it for the next 21 days. You should read Isaiah 58 for the next 21 days because it really defines what God does in the middle of a fast. You could literally break it down. It says this. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Last night I was on the phone for two hours from, what, 10 o'clock to midnight with Philip Cameron. Everybody, you know Philip Cameron? He's one of my heroes. He's on the phone with me, pouring into me, discipling me, walking Walking me through some things. We're dreaming about some things that we're going to do in America and how to rescue kids. And all of a sudden he says, Pat, we must declare the word justice. We must take back what the enemy has stolen. That's what this is about. How many of you need a miracle in here? 
That's what this fasting is about. You are saying, I am, def- I am going to deprive my body because there's something better. I'm going to get into my spirit, man. You know, my dad always talks about get into your spirit, man. Get into your spirit, man. He said that for years to me. Pat, find your spirit, man. I'm like, dad, I'm going to have to dig. There's a lot of belly. I don't know how to get in there to it. There's a lot of things in the way. Until one day, how many of you know it should take you less than 10 seconds to get in the presence of the Lord? I mean, you ought to be walking through the mall, standing at Build-A-Bear. And they'll get you to buy everything in there. That place is demonic. <laughs> and you can be standing there all of a sudden just feeling. It just brushes up next to you. I went to get on stage in May to speak at this conference in Houston with like 45 churches or something like that. It's packed out. And they called me up to preach this Pentecost Sunday thing. And I go up, and I'm getting ready. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to pump them up. And the minute I stepped on stage, I walked to the side of the pulpit to speak, and God ran into me. And I could not speak. Doesn't it say that in 1 Kings 8 about the priest? That his glory was so strong, they laid on their face and could not speak. And I literally stood there shaking and weeping, and he said, welcome to my presence to me. That's about to start happening in your house when you start fasting. But you might run into devils too that you didn't know were there because something happens. A spiritual eyesight comes on you when you begin to fast. But look what it says. It's not this kind of fasting. I love this right here. Uh, that, that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe him, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly, come, will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer, and you will cry out for help, and I will say, here I am, or here am I. Fasting is the ability to say no to my flesh in order to pursue his presence. Your hunger desires are put on hold in order to develop a freedom. It's a fleshly death that brings a spiritual life. Are you getting this so far? Now look what it says. Here's the other key fasting chapter in the Bible. You want to put this, you want to write this down because you want to do this for the next 21 days. Trust me on this. Look what it says in Joel chapter 12, 2. Listen to me. Joel is prophesying. He is declaring the enemy has taken from them. The locust and the canker worm, which means he took the ground and he's took the top. It means the enemy has attacked not only my feet, but my head. And then he says, we're going to stop this because we're going to declare a holy fast. We're going to say no more being devoured by the enemy. Look what he says right here. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. Folks, the problem in the church right now is we have what's called repetitive repentance problems. I'm about to write a whole message just called I Repent. I really am in the middle of writing it right now. Because the problem in the church is we are so good at repenting, we don't change. We are so good at running up during worship and falling on our knees and we walk out of here and we treat God like he's some drive-through experience and we walk out and we leave him in here and God says, hey, hey, I want to go with you. No, 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 Lord, I had you up there. I don't need you out there. And God says, that's why you keep coming back up here every week and you never grow because we have repetitive repentance disorder. We never get free. We just love to cry out and we are raising up and follow me because I'm going to make somebody mad in here. We're raising up and I said this at a conference with uh, 5,000 students and they came running and fell on their face. The problem in this generation, because I share a message called Weeping Lions and Roaring Lambs, because last year, over and over, every time I went to pray, the Lord said, I want to see weeping lions and roaring lambs. And I said, God, that is awkward. I don't know what it is. And finally, I was running on the seashores of Singapore one day, and I'm out jogging. The week before, I was in Phoenix doing a men's conference, and the Lord said, while I was on my face, I'm looking for weeping lions and roaring lambs. And I said, God, I don't know what that is. I flew to Singapore, I'm jogging, and he said, I'm looking for weeping lions and roaring lambs. And I said, God, what is that? And he said to me, son, I'm looking for those that have been sitting on their pride and sitting on their perch, lording over the church. I'm looking for them to weep again because they can hear the roaring of the lambs. A lamb bleats the loudest when it's the hungriest. Are you getting this so far? Jesus was a weeping lion because he could hear the roaring of the lambs. When he was on the cross, he was lion and lamb. 
He was the lamb led to the slaughter who opened his not his mouth. Read Isaiah. But he was also the roaring of the lamb. When he declared it is finished, he shut down the lamb that, or the lion that loves to pounce on you, 1 Peter 5, 8. Because the winner of the roar is always the king of the jungle. And when he said it is finished, that devil went scurrying into a corner because he said, I'm taken back. But first he wept. He wept over cities. I'm asking God for the next 21 days as you drive the streets of Northport and Tuscaloosa and West Alabama or Birmingham or Mississippi or Montgomery, those of you that go places for work, I'm asking God to hit you as you hit a neighborhood and you begin to weep over that area. I'm talking about a transformation moment. But the problem is this. Some of us love worship more than we love word. So we're raising up a Saul generation because we love worship because it soothes our demons. But when we get a little bit of word, we just pick up a spear, Saul, and try to kill anybody. But God says, I'm looking for those that will do John chapter 4. Worship me in spirit and in truth. Word and worship. Those of you that just love to praise but you ignore the word that comes forth, you need to understand you are a shallow Christian. And when the storm comes, you'll have nothing to tie yourself to. There won't be a mass to say, oh, it's rocking, because it's the word. Are you with me? Look what he goes on to say. Rate your heart, not your garments. You know what he was saying to the priest? Quit running around tearing everything off looking holy. Let's go deeper. That's what he said to Isaiah. Remember what he said to Isaiah? Remember Isaiah said to everybody, woe, is, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you in Isaiah chapter 5. Then he said, woe is me. But remember what he said? Look what he said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, remake my heart. What did he, why did he say that? Because he said, Jeremiah, you have no all of me. You've lost your all. You'll watch anything at the movies. It doesn't bother you anymore. Well, that's just part of culture, Pat. They can drop the, this bomb and they can take his name in vain. You know, it's just part of it. No. Enough. Come out and be separate. If you couldn't be accused, if you can't be convicted of being a Christian in the court of public opinion, something's wrong. Because we're supposed to be different. Oh, but we're supposed to love everybody and win the world. Absolutely. But I'm not going to catch their disease to win them. The Lord spoke to me recently. He said, son, because I'm watching it from drinking to cursing and all the other stuff that's going on in the pulpit right now. And literally I was told what recently, I, I think I mentioned Sunday, that I'm not invited to a certain nation anymore because I preach too harsh against sin. And I'm sitting there and I went, oh, okay, cool. And I wasn't being legalistic. I told Karen the next day, I said, at first I was like, really? The Lord spoke to me and said, there's been a spirit dispatched from hell to take out those in leadership, to simply do this to them. Have them live the same lifestyle as the ones they're called to win. So we'll have prayer meetings and then we'll all go out to the bar. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Call me legalistic. I don't mind. Call me a zealot because that just puts me with John the Baptist and Zechariah and, and that just puts me with the others. I don't mind. But there's a moment where the church rises up and I gotta, I gotta, I'll start, see, I, I start flowing. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be teaching. What you got to understand is, rent your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is, wait a minute. We got to go all the way back. Go all the way back. Return to me with your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Ring your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in his love. He relents from sending calamity. You can put the brakes on him. Your fasting can literally change the very plans of God. You don't understand what I'm saying. Watch. I just wrote a whole article on the, the Newtown shooting because Charisma asked me to write a, a whole thing on it. And I said, we're running around and we're saying, oh, they took prayer to school. Folks, that was 50 years ago. And rather than complaining about them taking prayer out of school, we, we, we need to start complaining about taking prayer out of our houses. Where was Jesus at during that? Was he taking a vacation? No. He was sitting with those 20 babies as they walked into eternity with him. But he was also sitting with me on a flight all the way home from California as I read it on my iPad and my face began to soak with tears. Watch. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. That's what tonight's about. We're talking about a 21-day fast. We're talking about saying, you know what? I'm going to go to another level. Yes, the championship football game is on Monday. Yes, all this other stuff is going on. But really, does it matter? Folks, all you got to do is come to my house, go downstairs. There's a man cave there that will tell you it matters. But really, does it? In the grand scheme, does it really matter? Folks, look at our history. We're in critical moments. George Washington, founding father of our nation. His diary read on June 1st, 1774, went to church, fasted. This was after the Assembly of Virginia passed a resolution declaring a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer after the British had begun an embargo of Boston. 1774, June 1st. You understand that's two years before our independence. 1798, when the U.S. was on the verge of war with France, President John Adams declared it May 9th as a day of solemn humiliation, fasting, and prayer. You want to know our history of our nation? Are we one nation under God? Yes, I wrote a whole chapter on this in my book. The problem is God has become our mascot. He looks great on our T-shirts and our bumper stickers and on our flags, but mascots don't really get to play in the game, do they? James Madison called a fast on 1815 as the U.S. fought Britain. Abraham Lincoln called three different fasts for national peace and unity during the Civil War. What do you mean, Pat? We must get our nation back to praying. The leaders of the Great Awakening. There's been two Great Awakenings. The third one coming. I'll be a part of it. There's been two Great Awakenings. The first one started in England. The second one started in Boston. Studied church history. One was led by uh, 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 the, 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 what, John Wesley in England and his brother Charles Wesley. And then it came to America and it went through the ministry of people like George Whitfield. And, and Whitfield and Wesley were close friends and members of what was called the Holy Club in England. And they came to America and said there can be an outpouring here. And you have people like Jonathan Edwards who was so blind that literally when he preached, he held his, his, his uh, sermon like this because he couldn't see in his little church there in Boston. I have stood on the rock. I will be in Boston this weekend. I'm going to go by the rock where there's still a place where he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he just stood like this preaching. He didn't even see the people. People thought they were dangling from spider webs over the flames of hell. Folks, we need an awakening, a call to repentance. But we're so busy right now telling how people how special they are and how precious they are. We don't ever want to confront their, their flesh because we're too good at building flesh up because it's in the church right now to tell you how great you are. Let me tell you something. I am a temple. I'm not a shack. I took the for sale sign down. I've been bought with a price. He inhabits me. If you were to mail a letter to the Holy Spirit, you'd mail it right to yourself because he lives inside of you. But apart from from him, I am nothing. Apart from him, I can't find my way back home. This is flesh. I am made of dirt. In, in Genesis, he cursed a snake. Eat. He, he said, eat of the dust. What was he saying? Eat of their flesh. That's why in Genesis, he was a snake in a revelation and became a dragon because somebody fed the snake. We need to put a sign up that says, don't feed the animal in the church. Are you with me? And as part of the spiritual, now follow me because these men started the Holy Club. As part of their spiritual discipline, they fasted twice a week. The early Methodist ministers were not allowed to minister or preach unless they fasted weekly. It was these ministers who had the greatest impact on America. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Folks, this is a critical moment in our history where socialism is invading our nation. I'm just going to say it. Is that all right? This has nothing to do with politics, so if you get mad, tough. I'm going to give you the truth where Israel is on the verge of war, I wrote the prime minister of Israel an email and said, I repent for our nation because I didn't want to lose the blessing. Where our economy, they just passed a, some bill that said, okay, for, uh, we're going we're gonna to lower spending for, everyone, for every 41 new tax hikes. Come on. And the prophet called me last Sunday night, and I believe in this guy. He has walked up to Karen and I in the middle of services and literally read our mail. So I trust him. And you know what I like about him? He doesn't want to be seen. <laughs> he doesn't have his name beside it, prophet so-and-so, in a big advertisement in charisma. He called me. He said, I had a dream I must tell you about because I believe God has raised your voice up to a nation. I said, okay. Karen was listening. It's on speakerphone. He said, I saw Cold War Russian planes flying over America. 
and dropping bombs on malls where children and families were. But as the people came walking out of the mall, they had on Russian hats with a Chinese star right in the middle. I said, what does that mean? He said, Pat, this next generation will be sold into communism believing that it is social justice because America has lost its desire to govern itself. You with me? In the 1950s, Pastor Scott has taught you about this. In the 1950s, many actors got in trouble for being a part of the Communist Party because they thought the only way to take care of the poor, their hearts started out right, was letting the government have complete control. That's communism. Communism always leads to dictatorship. Dictatorship always removes God. Study history. In fact, this generation of parents are making a treaty with communism because they are so afraid of poverty that they are inviting the government to own them. And this is the beginning of America losing an entire generation to purpose, fortitude, and desire. Invention will disappear if something isn't done. The gospel has now become a social justice gospel. Follow me. We have a generation trying to define Jesus through a secular mindset. Jesus is if I buy a clean energy car. Jesus is if I celebrate Earth Day, which was started by a Pentecostal preacher in San Francisco in 1971. He died this week. Jesus is social justice. Take care of the poor. Follow me. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. What she has done, fall on her face, worship me, and anoint my body before burial is what will be remembered. Should we take care of the poor? Absolutely. Should we bless the poor? Absolutely. You've got to understand, I believe in adoption. I believe in breaking orphan spirit. But we must be careful because when there's an absence, when we make up our mind to have social justice over holy living, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Are you with me? The spirit of Antichrist is to do the opposite of the very spirit of Jesus. What do you mean by that, Pat? Paul said that he is in this world. It is to replace relationship with God with relationship with the world. If I'm taking care of things in the world, then I don't have to relationship with God. That's called world religion. That's how it's all going to rush in. You need to buy my Revelation series. So why am I saying it is time for the church to fast? What you don't know is there are thousands of churches in America doing the fast, the 21-day awakening fast. So there is an awakening coming to our nation. I had a dream about it. I could hear it. Somebody give God a praise offering. It's Revelation 3.20. He said, hey, everybody thinks this is a salvation scripture. This has nothing to do with salvation. We love to put it in Roman road to salvation. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me come in and sit with you. He's talking to the church. He said, you're having so much fun having church. You don't need me no more. He said, let me back in. I'm knocking at the door, church, is what he's saying. If you go back and you read Revelation 3, 17, it says you, you're rich, and yet you're really poor. You're clothed in the best, but you're really naked. You're, 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 you, you think you've got the best vision, but you're really blind. He's talking to the American church, where people are now not into producing new churches, but cloning their own. Dress like me, act like me. In fact, you just put a video camera up and let me just, I'll preach. Instead of birthing sons and daughters in ministry. i got to be careful. But what God is trying to say is I'm looking for an awakening. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's what I tweeted the day of the shooting in Newtown. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my hand so I can do something for them. No, 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 no. Seek, seek my feet so I can take you to your next job and your next bank account and your next favor and your next parking place. No. He said, if you'll just let me. You'll just seek my face. How do you learn someone's character? Find somebody that's blind. They want to know who you are. They will reach up and touch your face. They said, do you mind if I take a moment and feel your face? I've had it to happen to me all over the place. Do you mind if I just touch your face? I want to know who you really are. Teach my hand. That means when you get down on your knees, it's what happened this morning. In the last couple weeks when we've been having our prayer time together, we literally will be in the middle of doing a, a workout. and we, I'll just stop and say, we need to pray right now. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to catch my breath. I'm like, Karen, turn it off. we got to pray. Shantique and wait. Y'all watching Sandy? Y'all ever doing Sandy? I watch it. I get a bonbon and some Snickers and I go, turn do it, boy, do it. You're doing good. Those infomercials, I'm like, I am proud of y'all. But I'm talking about encounters. 
where God can just walk in and you feel him. He said, if you'll seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He said, I can start healing the land in the next three weeks. This many people praying and fasting. But Pat, why 21 days? I'll tell you why. Daniel fasted 21 days. The best time for fasting is the beginning of a new year. Why? You set the course of your entire year. Things will happen in June or July that are a result of the fast that took place in January. I believe this with all my heart. Daniel 10, verse 3. Remember, Daniel was trying to get a word from the Lord. And the Bible says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. That doesn't mean you can't use deodorant. You're God. We'll all be fasting. We're like, man, I can't even eat, bro. <laughs> I lost my appetite. Come here, raise your arm again. I want a steak. Oh, never mind, I'm good. <laughs> but look at Daniel. Daniel was looking for the word of the Lord. What happened after 21 days? The Lord said, I heard your prayer the first day, but there's been a war going on in the heavenlies that I've had to work your prayer back down to you. You don't even realize that. I'm telling you, you start fasting, you're going to start seeing things. I'm talking about angelic encounters. Why, why does it have to be 21 days? Because there are fasting breakthrough periods. Half day, one day, three days, seven days, 21 days, and 40 days. Study it in God's Word. A half fast or until 3 p.m., a 24-hour fast or a three-day fast, it's usually a good little breakthrough moment. Sometimes you do that and you walk through it, and there's some people that do it all the time. Britt Hancock does it every other day. Watch. People always experience, I'm, go, I'm, I'm literally reading my notes because you've got fill in the blanks and I don't, I don't have the key right here in front of me. I've got it somewhere. But now watch. So I want to make sure you don't miss anything. People always experience incredible breakthroughs after three days. It just happens. Then breakthroughs. I want to encourage you on something. Can I tell you something? The best way to do a Daniel fast is the first three days do water. But Pat, literally, I was with, with Ethan. They were at our house. We had such a blast together. And Ethan said, I, I don't care about food. He said, so I'm going to fast electronics, so I'm going to fast this. Should those of us that do care about food, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And I started to say something. I said, I will. And um, my body don't even know I'm fasting for about four days. It goes, oh. I was going off reserves. People always experience unbelievable breakthroughs. I encourage you, your first three days, don't eat. If you can handle that. Now, if it, and check with your doctor. I put that in there. Now, no lawsuits. <laughs> Devils come out when you fast. Like He told me, Pastor, that's why I passed out. That's why I drove my car, a doctor, in, into the wall. Let's see. Mercy seat. Now, watch. But people always experience incredible. Then breakthroughs come at 7 days, 14 days, 21 days, and 40 days. What do you mean? We know that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Remember what happened? He comes up out of the water. His father says, this is my son. He had done no miracles yet. God is proud of you before you do the work. But then he says, in being led by the Spirit, he went into the wilderness. He conquered three temptations in the wilderness. Every sin you could possibly do are in those temptations. Then the Bible says he conquers the enemy, he defiles the enemy, he tells the enemy, you can't have me, I don't live by bread and alone, you can't give me what you don't own, I don't have to prove myself to you, he conquers all the fleshly stuff, he's fasting for 40 days, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness, some of you hate your wilderness period, but God's trying to take you into it to teach you some things, and it's the greatest moment of your life, because there's always treasures in darkness, and then all of a sudden the Bible says that Jesus comes out of the wilderness and his ministry spreads. You know why most people never get off the ground with their ministry? They're not willing to fast. I'm serious. Because Jesus' reputation spread after he fasted. He had this great coronation. Heaven opens up. I mean, seriously, he ought to be on TV at this moment. I mean, God just spoke. The whole world just saw it. He comes up out of the water. A dove comes off him. And he goes, well, I got to go fast for 40 days. Because I got to make sure I conquer what's going to try to chase me. Into my next level. Remember Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the desert to be tempted by the devil. Listen, it may seem strange that breakthroughs comes in lengths of days, but it is much like tithing. You don't get a breakthrough at 
We were playing Monopoly the other night, and I was just like, I'm going to be one of those Christians that drop a little bit. Because Pastor Scott started this when we were kids. He tithed in free parking. And he always won because of it. I am not lying. I'm telling you the truth. So we're playing Monopoly the other night, and I kept going, look, I'm going to be one of them back row Christians. I'm going to drop a dollar, and I would win. <laughs> anyway, it's not important. It's not, it's not biblical. Watch. I beat Karen. But you, you don't get a breakthrough at 6% or 8%. The Bible says 10%. There was 10 different types of trees in the garden, horticulturists will tell you. And all he said was, don't touch one. Don't touch my tent. But it's the same way in fasting. In the same way, there's godly power released when you fast 21 days. The number three is the Trinity. We understand that. This expresses holiness. Proverbs says a threefold cord cannot be broken. Three represents covenant. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Seven is the number of perfection. Seven days in a week. Israel marched around seven times around Jericho. So 21, three, and seven is the number of holy perfection. That's why we fast for 21 days. You need to begin to expect visions, uh, visitations, dreams, fresh revelation. Revelation comes when your spirit is hungry. Can I give you five practical things? And I'm, I'm going to hurry. I'm just going to say these things to you. I'm just going to give them to you really fast. Five practical things for fasting. Can I share what they are? Number one, don't change the way you look. Get rid of your hunger strike mentality, Gandhi. Kids, I'd, I'd love to get on the floor and play with you, but daddy's weak. Honey, I, 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 know, I know we need to rate the yard, but when I, go, when I walk out in the yard, all I see is like baby cows. I just want to slaughter them and eat the meat. That's not healthy to do that kind of stuff. Watch. Fasting requires a change of heart. Nobody should know it when you're fasting. Don't expect anyone to understand what you're doing. Look what it says in Matthew 6, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show them in their fasting. <laughs> so some of y'all that fast after three days and you walk through the house like. I can't even think straight. I just need some protein. I'm fine. I tell you the truth, they receive the reward in full. Go ahead and eat something now. You got it. When we all felt sorry for you, eat. It says you finish it up. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, it's saying put the anointing on and clean up the way you look. That's what it's saying. So they will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Are you following me? What, what else do you do? Develop a routine for the next 20 days, 21 days. Set a schedule. Plan your meals. Say no to the things that could interrupt your fast. Just starving doesn't accomplish anything. That means when you're eating, normally, or whatever, you're supposed to be praying. Prioritize your life. It's a great way to prioritize your life, to start getting organized. Use the Franklin plan, A, B, C, D. Move things. It's a way to start getting things organized in your life. Make sure you always have water with you because the water works. Understand, if you're on medication, use wisdom. Talk to your doctor. Guard against legalism. Are you with me? Pray at least three times a day. Read the Gospels and one Proverbs a day. Uh, somebody asked Oral Roberts one time, how did you start seeing signs and wonders and miracles? He said, for 30 days I did nothing but read the Gospels, and it changed my life, and I began to see miracles. What's the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn worship on in your home. This is a time of cleansing. Number three, fasting requires discipline. I'm telling you, the first three days are the worst. It's not a diet. Come on, I can't wait to get on fast so I can fit my jeans. <laughs> you know you've done that. Honey, go ahead and buy them because I'm going to be fasting. They'll fit. <laughs> Diets fail. 
Fasting is about desire for a deeper walk. It's Daniel 10, 3, I ate no choice food. Number four, keep a journal. Write down revelation. Write down things God's showing you to deal with. He loves you enough to point out your flaws so he can feel them and fix them. He loves you enough to change you. God will show up. Understand, though, that there are proper times for revelation to be revealed. Fasting is about you first. Don't run around and start prophesying to everybody. Spend the next 21 days dealing with the mirror, not the window. Rewards of fasting is a deep understanding of you. Number five, establish a place to go and pray each day. It's what Jesus said in that chapter, in Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't be like the hypocrites who love, to, who love to pray on the street corners where everybody can see it. Go in your room, shut the door behind you. Just slip away. A bathroom stall at work for 20 minutes, a car drive, do it differently, turn off fine bomb and cry out to God on the way home. There's a moment where you begin to change what you're doing. Turn off the news. The news is stupid. And I'm a news addict. But I'm telling you, for 21 days, I'm turning it off. I'm not just going to do the Daniel. I'm changing some things in me because the, the news affects me. Get selfish about your prayer time. Get real. Get hungry for him. Get pure. Start chewing on this. It will come alive. It's a double-edged sword. You know why it says that in the word that God's word is in Hebrews is a double-edged sword? It, leads, it means literally as it, he wields the word of God, it cuts. And as you put forth, it cuts. It means any direction his word in your hand and his hand is a sword going forth. And the Bible says when you use God's word, it leaves everything naked in the sight of God. It's going to change the way you talk. Guard your tongue. It's that place. Realize there's times where you may have to play catch up. You might mess up and eat the wrong things. So what? Don't get legalistic. Okay, Pat, what if I can get invited over to somebody's house and they've cooked a meal and they didn't know I was on a fast? You know what? Don't, don't be weird. Because you ain't going to get invited over no more. Just eat. Your, your environment is the number one key and hindrance to a fast. Can I give you seven results from fasting? I got three minutes. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Because Pastor Ben said, you got to be done because I got, no, he didn't. I'm just kidding. Seven results that come from fasting. Let me give them to you really quick and I'm done. Because this is what Pastor Scott wanted me to share. Number one, who needs a miracle? We're going to get real. Here it comes. Fasting brings healing. Look what his word says. Go ahead, move, flow with me back there in the back. My guys. Then your light will break forth, Isaiah 58, like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's what it says. You've got to understand in that Isaiah. God says, I will heal you in the middle of fasting. It says, I can expect miracles. I can tell you I have seen miracles during fasting. I can tell you a friend of mine in Birmingham that had stage 4 cancer was completely healed when an entire group of us got together and began to fast and pray. Number two, generational curses. All you can do is study Isaiah 58, but generational curses are broken. See, there's three types of fast in the Bible. The Bible talks about it. I don't have this in your notes, but the, the three types of fast. And one is you fast for a nation to be healed. Number two, you fast to break junk off your own life. Because the Bible says some things only come through prayer and fasting. You can run around and rebuke it all you want and sing all the worship you want, but until you fast, that's the only way it's going to break some things. And then the third type was Daniel. He fasted to see God in a new way, to get a fresh vision. That's why we do it in January, a fresh vision. Isaiah 58, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairs of the breach or repairs of the broken walls, restores of streets with dwellings. Don't you love that? In other words, God restore what has been robbed from your family in the middle of a fast. Some of you are going to start tripping over miracles. Number three, it breaks poverty and lack of wisdom and finances. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. He quoted Joel 2.28. He said, remember, he said, the Joel, the people of Israel were being destroyed. They said even the locusts and the palmer worms had destroyed all their food. They, did, they said they didn't even have an offering to bring to the temple. So what did it say in Joel 2.15? Blow the trumpet, call a holy fast. Some of you need a breakthrough in your finances. It's, it's Joel chapter 2. I read it to you a minute ago. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Go to that one. It says, even now declares the Lord, return to me rent your, with, with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rent your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding love. He relents from sin and calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. 
When you begin to pray, folks, God restores. Number four, I'm hurrying. You draw closer to God than ever before when you fast. So simple. What do you mean? Moses fasted for 40 days. He got revelation from God. He got the Ten Commandments, and he saw the face of God and to the point that he had to wear a veil or would have killed everybody. Daniel 9, verse 3, so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes, and I prayed the Lord my God, and I confessed. I'm telling you, you're going to get real with stuff. It's Matthew chapter 7. It's what the Lord showed me that night when he came to me about six weeks ago and said, Pat, anything you ask me, in a dream, all I saw was his feet, anything you ask me, I will give to you. If you'll give me everything you've got, I'll give you everything i got. And then I got up that night, and I studied this in the middle of the night. Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock. It's a perpetual verb. Literally means it never stops. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and it will be open to you. For anyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Literally what it says. Here's your, here's your, here's your formula. Ready? Look what it says. For anyone who asks, will receive. I love the middle part. It's my favorite. Anybody that seeks him, you're going to trip over him. You're going to find him. And anyone that knocks, he says it's going to be open. Look, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? A serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You need to lay it out, write it out, ask him for these things. Say, God, remember when God poured out his spirit on the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? When did it happen? After they had fasted for days. God says, I'll pour your spirit on the house. Number five, the power of God in favor becomes manifest in your life. Remember, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Folks, you can expect spiritual giftings to open up to you that you've never had. How many of you know you're supposed to eagerly desire them? Not just speaking in tongues. All the gifts. Eagerly desire. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. God says, if you'll fall in love with me and loving others, then I can trust you with the gifts that you'll minister to others with. Problem is, we don't quite love people yet. What are the gifts? The Bible talks about faith, miraculous signs, healing, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discernment. Bible says to covet them. Number six, about to close. It's a big one. Addictions and sexual strongholds are broken. Judges 19 and 20, some of the tribes of Benjamin had been overtaken by perversion and sexuality and sexual mentality. Young men from Judah had, a young man had his wife raped by homosexuals. This is in the Bible. And the people began to pray and fast and the enemy was destroyed. Folks, Psalm 69 Verse 10, when I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me. I am the song of drunkards, but I pray to, drunkards, but I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do you understand the enemy's goal is to always get you to eat of the apple that he that God says you don't need that? There's, there's nine other trees you can go to. God says, I've got other things for you. He will literally change. Your, you know, I always say this, secret sin is the loudest voice in the room, so if you're dealing with it, most of us know it, and because you just we feel it. But what I've found out is when you begin to fast, and that flesh is screaming, and it's something you've let in, or something that was put on you, something you're a victim of. If you'll begin to fast, it has to leave. It can't stay. What communion does the Bible say does angels or the Spirit of God and demons have in common? They can't live together. Are you with me? Tell them, get out of my life. I'm better than that. I'm not a pervert. I'm not one of those things. I'm not second-class citizen. I'm a child of the king. I'm a part of a royal priesthood. I am a part of a new-looking royalty that God is raising up. I am the Mephibosheth brought to the door, sitting at the king's table. And you may not see it, but I was dropped as a child. But I'm sitting at his table because I belong at the king's table because he didn't forget me when I lived in Lodabar, the place of no communication. What, are you, what, am, I, what am I trying to say to you? There's a moment where you say enough's enough. I'm tired.
tired of dealing with thir- sins that I had at 13 years old, at 43 years old. I'm ready to get free. I'm tired of walking around feeling guilty when I worship. God says if you'll fast, if you'll pray, if you'll repent, if you'll cry, I am a bigger God than anything you invited in. That's why it says, Isaiah 58, is this not the kind of fast I've chosen to loose the chains? Why? Because Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You wonder why you've never had an encounter with God? Purity. That's it. Come on, worship team or Pastor David or somebody. Fasting brings unity calling and the growth of the church what do you mean this place could explode (laughs) i mean it already has i can't wait till some of you lose your chair and your parking spot talking about that's where i sit oh we have a guest (laughs) welcome to the foyer now watch When somebody fasts privately, there's an anointing for that individual's needs. If there's a sickness, if there's something in their life. But when the entire body comes together in agreement, something changes in a church. Not everybody's going to fast, just like not everybody tithes. Because they like to be broken and they like to be sick. But Matthew 18 says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two, if just two Christians will agree upon anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or, or three come together in my name, I'm right here. I love Malachi. Malachi says that he's, because I do a whole teaching on friendship. and It says that when two come together and speak of the things of the Lord, that God enters into their conversation and takes notes. How many of you ever been in conversation with somebody? DJ, he's a son. He's a spiritual son. If DJ and I are just talking trash about football or whatever, because he's a Florida fan, there's really no reason for that. And, um, I mean, I don't feel God. But when we have those moments where I tell you what God's doing in America and we start sharing, it's like God goes, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get some of this. Malachi says he'll enter into your conversation. When you begin to fast as a body, look what it says in Acts right here, because i got to say this. Do you know that some of you are going to receive your calling in this fast? Look what happens. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for, that, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. If they wouldn't have fasted, Paul and Barnabas would have never gone on their journeys. And the New Testament church wouldn't have been changed with the letters. Some of y'all want to go in ministry. I want to do it, Pastor. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Somebody going to carry my Bible. Somebody going to wipe my forehead. (laughs) I wish it was that fun. Come on, stand with me, and I'll just share this with you real quick. Put these up for me real quick, if you would, Aaron. Ten benefits from fasting, I'll just say them. God works miracles. Pride is removed. Prayers are emphasized. Families are restored. Addictions and spiritual strongholds are broken. Financial blessings and wisdom are provided for. Karen and I have a crazy dream right now. I want to pass out 10,000 books in what's called the Castro District of San Francisco. Tenderloin, because it's the same place where every Friday night seven, every Friday night seven to ten thousand men come and gather around a giant inflatable and pleasure themselves. When I walk up to them and say, "You weren't born this way. You were born in sin, but a father loves you." I want to run through the streets of New Orleans during Mardi Gras and say, "Hey, I don't want nothing. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm not going to stand on the street corner and turn you off, tell you you're going to hell." I just want to give you a gift. God's not mad at you. Okay, 
Well, why am I sharing that? Because during my fast, this is what I'm praying for. I'm pinpointing my fast. I'm writing out my vision. I'm writing out my dreams. Financial blessing and wisdom. Judgment is withheld. Some of y'all, you know you should have died a long time ago. You know you don't even have a right. But God says, I can withhold calamity. I can stop what's been coming towards your house. I can change everything with a fast. The founding fathers did it for our nation. And the present fathers need to do it again. Congress needs to shut up, quit their whining, and quit their bickering and get on their faces. I'm being honest. I'm being transparent when I say that. Cleansing of natural body. Some of you need to get some toxins out of your life. I'm telling you, this will do it. I mean, you need to detox a little bit. I believe that Pepsi is from heaven. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I just poured in. Give me, a, I'll, t- I'll take a keg of Pepsi. But I got to stop it. Got to stop it. It's not good for me. Intimate spiritual renewal is produced. Fasting renews and prepares for what is ahead. And God is glorified. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It will refresh your marriage. It will refresh your children. God will start, you'll start walking past you. You'll be cleaning the house and all of a sudden you'll be walking. You have a song in your heart. Won't even know why it's there. Walk past your child's room and something will stop. Won't you go in there and look in the bottom drawer on the right hand side. Because you still own this house. It's still your, you still have the right to go into anything in your house. I'm going to show you what your baby's in because I love them too much to get away with it. So if, your parent, if you're in sin and your parents are going fast, you better clean your house out. You better get that bedroom clean. Because God loves you enough to catch you. He told on me all the time. I'm like, seriously? That's it. If you'll email Jamie, jamie at mercyseatministries.com, she'll, she'll send you these ten things, won't you, Jamie? If you didn't get to write them down, jamie at mercyseatministries.com. Here's what I want to do. How many of you ready for some miracles now? How many of you ready to fast? Are you excited about it? Do you feel like you got a little bit of meat to the bone of what it means to fast? Let's lift our hands and cry out to God. And we're going to do three things. We're going to pray for three things. But first, lift your hands and begin to rejoice in Him always. And again, I say rejoice. Come on. Come on, let's praise Him. Somebody praise Him. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. I'm telling you, God just spoke to me again. There's people that are going to receive the call of God on their life. It's always been there, but he's going to remind you of it. But this time he's going to break fear up off of you, stepping a little bit closer to your destiny. If you're ready to receive a renewal of your calling, lift your hands first. Number two, if you say, Pat, I need a miracle. I am tired of being broken. I'm tired of poverty camping out in my basement and sitting on my front porch. I'm tired of the enemy attacking my paycheck and worrying about what's going to happen. I want supernatural favor to hit my finances. You lift your hands. Now, if you say, Pat, I am ready for God to transform my house. I'm going to be selfish about this fast. I want the glory of the Lord in the middle of my house. Begin to cry out. Now, here's what you got to understand. You may be waiting on me to lead you in a prayer, but you need three things. We just prayed. Some of you need to realize God is saying, cry out and ask me. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. So I'm going to call out all three of them. First thing I'm going to say is ask. When I say ask, you start telling him. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Then I'm going to say seek. When I say seek, you lift your hands and begin to glorify him. Begin to tell him who he is. Begin to praise him. Desire to long for him. And then I'm going to have you lift your hand and we're going to start knocking. Because starting Monday night, starting Monday morning, we're going to knock on doors of the Holy Spirit and God is going to do something. So you ready? Lift your voices. You ready? Ask him right now. Oh, stop. Every eye shut. I need to make sure you're right before we ask. 
Wow. If you have sin in your life and you're sick of it and you're ready to be free, raise your hand right now. Lift your hand all over the house. Everybody raise your hands. Pray this out loud with me in Jesus' name. Say it, Jesus' name. I repent. I repent. I'm turning away from it. And I'm going into freedom. Father, for the next 21 days, make me sick to my stomach if that sin tries to come back. I renounce it. God has better things for me. I want to live a holy life. Say this out loud. I don't want my life to style to have to change in order to go to heaven. I'm ready to ask, seek, and knock. I'm his child. Jesus, tonight, get ready because you're going to lift your voices. Ask him. Go ahead out loud. Ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. Come on, we're going to ask, seek, and knock real quick. Ask him, ask him. Say, Lord, I need this. Father, I pray for my, for my family that are unsaved. In Jesus' name, you know who I'm talking about, Lord. And I pray right now for my sister-in-laws to be touched and refreshed and healed and restored. Father, I'm asking. I can't even hear you asking. Are you not bold enough to ask? I'm telling you, coming to him like some shy little child afraid to ask daddy. Ask him. Ask him. I'm getting you started on your fast. Now lift your hands. Go ahead, pastor. Let's seek him for a moment. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Begin to tell him how wonderful. I love you, Jesus. Jesus.